Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 13. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money YouTube channel. So if you haven't yet seen or you haven't checked it out, um, Hannah and I make YouTube videos weekly uh, all around similar topics that we talk about here on the podcast. In fact, we have a video uh, that's about a 10-minute version, a very succinct version of what we're going to be talking about uh, in today's episode. So uh, if you're interested in sort of, you know, more uh, very quick, more succinct content, or you're interested in some like deep dive tutorial, software tutorials on like setting up your budget and things of that nature, uh, head on over to our YouTube channel to get more of the same type of stuff over there. Uh, Mapped Out Money, just search it on YouTube. It'll come right up. So today, we're talking about where our financial journey together kind of started. Yeah, we are. Because it was pretty early on in our marriage that you kind of heard about the FIRE movement and started getting really into it. I fell fast. Yeah, you did. So Nick Nick found some bloggers that were going hardcore FIRE, which is financial independence, retire early. And I'm talking like didn't have a dryer because it used too much electricity. Energy. Yeah. yeah, Got to lower that electricity bill. Yeah. And they were living in some pretty crazy scenarios. I forget exactly like what they're living, but they were doing some pretty major things to like cut living yeah, expenses. Yeah, it's more on the extreme end. Yeah. Right. I mean, so... We'll get more into this in a second, but certainly your more traditional fire folks, it's all about maximizing that savings rate. Yeah. You know, it's all about uh, how can I save as much money as humanly possible? So Nick came to me like, we can get rid of our dryer and we can do this and we can do that. And I was like, mm, I'm going to need whoa, you to whoa, whoa. dial this back a little bit. <laughs> You're like, I'm on board with this saving stuff, but like, we're not going, <laughs> we're not going next level here. And so to, to, to kind of frame up today's conversation, uh, we've kind of got two parts. All right. So the first part, we're going to talk about some of that, you know, how do we find ourselves in this position and then and then kind of where have we landed on this whole discussion around the fire movement uh, and why we're having this conversation to even begin with. And then we'll move into more of the practical, right? We're, we're titling this episode something uh, a little clickbaity, I guess, right? <laughs> like how do you retire early, uh, but without kind of having the financial resources to do so. And we're going to kind of explain some of that. But the second half of this episode, we're going to talk about the practical sort of the four steps that we sort of see that you can utilize uh, to try and live a fire, a retired type lifestyle. But before you maybe have the financial resources to do so, you mean the financial resources to retire, you may not have the financial resources to retire. But there is a way to get a lot of what we value in the lifestyle of retirement. That's right. So that's kind of where we're. Yeah. That's kind of where we're heading. So first off, let's just talk about fire, right? So because I think a lot of people who maybe don't who listen to our podcast aren't aren't necessarily in the fire community or have heard of it even because it's not something we talk a lot about. But it stands for financial independence, retire early, and what. It, what does financial independence mean, first off? Basically, financial independence, it's its more of a mathematical number, right? So you'll hear people say financial freedom, which I kind of always think of financial freedom as being more personal. Like we all kind of find our own financial freedom depending on 
different things like that kind of means different things of course i think a lot of people think of it as being debt free yeah because of dave ramsey that's right whereas financial independence has more of a mathematical basis which is basically you have enough investments either in the stock market or uh like in real estate you basically have enough assets you have enough wealth that you don't ever need to work again right and so following sort of a traditional uh, fire path. This would be around 25 times your annual expenses uh, invested into uh, the stock market that you can then draw down, right? So quick math, if you are wanting to spend $100,000 a year, 25 times that would be $2.5 million. Back of the napkin calculation, right? If you had that much invested, then boom, you've now hit financial independence. And then what a lot of people do in the FIRE movement is they basically try to accelerate their path towards FI and achieve that in their 30s or their 40s or their 50s so that then they can, quote unquote, retire early and never have to work again. Now, a couple disclaimers for this episode, right? So first off, Hannah and I are not retired. Uh, we have not reached financial independence. We don't have 25 times our annual expenses. Uh, we still have to absolutely work in order to live our life. The thing here for us is like, we love our life though. And that's where we're going is, how do we experience this fire type lifestyle without hitting phi? Is there a way we can achieve it on the way to phi without having to wait until we get there? In other words, how do you create a life you don't want to retire from? That's right. So to keep kind of going on this fire movement, right? Because I I mean, we have a lot of friends and that would consider themselves fire or kind of a part of that fire community. And I, I don't want to disparage them or, or sort of discount anything that they're doing. It kind of started, or I would say this movement got really kicked off with Vicki Robin uh, with a book called Your Money or Your Life, which really kind of laid out a lot of these concepts. And then it sort of skyrocketed or got accelerated by Mr. Money Mustache. So if you've read any of Mr. Money Mustache's stuff, he's got a very um, aggressive, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but very entertaining and like articulate style of writing, mm -hmm. uh, which is very compelling. And that's, that's who I was reading, you know. Nick was ready to go. I was ready yep. to go. He's very compelling. And um, and so he, he sort of accelerated this movement, if you will. And then, you know, last year there was a documentary that came out called Playing With Fire. And I don't think any particular person is, is doing it wrong or bad because I think most of these bloggers and podcasters and YouTubers are, are, are doing trying to do what we do, which is just talking about it from their experience. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, like with anything, when you get a – a community of people together, it, it can become competitive. Well, and people start playing the comparison game. That's right. And then, yeah, trying to outdo each other. That's right. So, you know, in personal finance, you always hear like comparing yourself to the Joneses, right? Like you don't want to, um, you don't want to do that, right? You're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. You don't want to do that just because they got a bigger house. Well, in the fire community, again, not because of Mr. Money Mustache or anybody in particular, but just because it's it's a large group of people now there can become a sentiment of like phi faster, right? It becomes almost this competition of like, oh, well, I'm saving 40% of my income. And, mm -hmm. Well, I'm saving 50% of my income and I'm saving 60% of my income, right? And it becomes this game of like, how can I save as much money as humanly possible to get to phi as quickly as possible so that then I can retire at the youngest age possible. And that's not helpful either. That's That's comparing yourself to the Joneses just in the opposite way. So the traditional path to fire is basically delay as much gratification and enjoyment as you can right now through a combination of being really frugal and increasing your income so that you can increase your savings rate and speed up the time to financial independence. That's right. That's exactly right. And then you can quit 
the job that you maybe don't like that much or maybe you absolutely hate it or maybe maybe you like it, you know, but the ultimate end goal is to be able to quit your job and have the freedom to do whatever you want. And some people who really like their job as part of the fire community would tell you, well, I just want to hit five fast, but I just want the option to quit my job. Yeah. And maybe I'm actually going to stick with it. I think fire is a really great fit if that's, if if that's, that's you. That's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But that traditional path through the delay and gratification piece can be problematic in, in ultimately two ways, I think. So the first one is, it can really suck the fun out of your life in the immediate future. I'm all about delayed gratification. Uh, we talk about patience and delayed gratification a lot, but you can't do it to the detriment of everything in your life. And uh, one of the bloggers that I really like and and really like the way um, his name is Zach, that he, he lays all this out. His website's called Four Pillar Freedom. Uh, and he laid out this really great chart that looked at the math behind accumulating wealth up to financial independence. And basically, even at a 50% savings rate, so if you're saving half your income and investing it uh, with sort of conservative investment numbers, um, it would still take you 16 years to hit financial independence. Now, granted, if you're starting that at 22 years old, fresh out of college, that means you can retire at 38, which is incredible. Like, that's amazing. But that's still 16 years in a job that if you really don't like it, like for me, like... And I couldn't, I could not imagine. That's where it kind of came for us was like, when I started looking at those numbers, it was like, I could not breathe thinking about staying in in that world for 16 years. And so that's kind of the first problem. The the second problem is that I'm also a big believer that if you, if you don't really love your life during the journey phase, I don't think you're going to magically love your life the second you hit five. It's not like all of a sudden you really don't like your life. You don't like your life. You don't like your life, but you're saving all this money and then boom, you have the money, you quit the job, and all of a sudden your life skyrockets from a two to a 10. Well, it's the exact same with traditional retirement. Totally. The idea of like you need something to retire to. Yes. So Bingo. why do you want all this freedom to do whatever it is that you're wanting to do? Like you you have to have a clear picture of that in your head. That's right. So for us, um, and this was influenced by a friend of ours named Jillian Johnsrude. And this question of that you kind of mentioned earlier, what if we had a life that we didn't want to retire from? What would that look like? So now there's sort of this this subset of the FIRE community, if you will, called uh, they're calling slow FI, which really is is just a a more traditional retirement planning path where it, it takes you longer to get there. Your number one metric isn't trying to get to FI as fast as possible, but you enjoy your life along the way, right? So you find a job that you're enthusiastic about. You you find a, a life that you want to wake up to every day and you're really pumped about living. And again, I think what I like about the whole slow fi thing, even though you can argue it is just slightly redefining traditional retirement, it's the mindfulness piece. So it's like being mindful of the fact of like, I'm going to create a life that I'm really enthusiastic about right now, but I am still spending money in a way and saving money in a way that's helping me move towards these goals that's right. in the future. It's not this YOLO. It's I'm still moving towards financial independence, just maybe not as fast as humanly possible mm-hmm. because I want to enjoy the journey. Yeah, I mean, we make decisions all the time that, you know, delay our path to FI, but significantly increase our enjoyment now. Yeah. And, you know, it's that if you spend years trying to get to FI and you cut absolutely everything that you can out of your life. I mean, that that's going to mean like cutting way back on your hobbies and cutting back on like your social time and going out to eat with your friends and developing those relationships. And, you know, it's going to be 
cutting back on a lot of stuff. So then it is like, okay, you reach financial independence and, and what do you have there? It feels kind of empty totally for a lot of people, I think. Totally. And I think, you know, again, I, I want to make sure for, for any of my friends listening who are sort of in that fire movement, right? I want to make sure and do what their argument would be justice by recognizing that a lot of folks in that sort of mindset would say, well, part of it is recognizing that you actually don't need to spend that much money to be happy. Mm-hmm. You actually don't need to spend that much money to find fulfillment, right? Which I agree with. I agree too. Um, but that that's not really where I'm trying to get. I'm, I'm more agnostic in that conversation in some ways. Like I want to let you say, okay, you figure out whatever that number is for you. Mm-hmm. And then let's, let's have a, a kind of a separate conversation. But speaking of sort of, you know, how much money do you need to be happy or fulfilled or something like that, right? Whatever that word is. It reminds me of a parable of uh, of the Mexican fisherman, which uh, I think probably needs a better title. But it was written in 1963 <laughs> by a German writer named Heinrich Boll. And I heard this years ago, and it has stuck with me ever since. I hope that if this is your first time hearing it, it will make an impact on you as well. An American investment banker was at the pier of a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. Inside the small boat were several large fin tuna. The American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish and asked how long it took to catch them. The Mexican replied, only a little while. The American then asked why he didn't stay out longer to catch more fish. The Mexican said that he had enough to support his family's immediate needs. The American then asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? The Mexican fisherman said, well, I sleep late, then I fish a little, then I play with my children, take a siesta with my wife Maria, and stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life. The American scoffed. Well, I'm a Harvard MBA, and I could help you out. You should spend more time fishing, and with the proceeds, buy a bigger boat. And with the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could buy several boats. Eventually, you would have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would sell it directly to the processor, eventually opening your own cannery. You would then control the product, the processing, and the distribution. You would need to leave this small coastal fishing village and move to Mexico City, then to L.A., and eventually to New York City, where you will run your expanding enterprise. The Mexican fisherman asked, but how long will this take? To which the American replied, well, 15 to 20 years. But then what? The Mexican fisherman asked. The American laughed and said, well, that's the best part. When the time is right, you will announce an IPO and sell your company stock to the public and become very rich. You would make millions. Millions, asked the fisherman. Then what? The American said, well, then you would retire, move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife, and stroll into the village each evening where you would sip wine and play guitar with your amigos. I do really like that parable. So, yeah, I know. I, I first heard that on The Fizzle Show. And um, it was actually when I was still working my engineering job. Um, so it was probably five years ago now. And it just really stuck with me mm-hmm. and, and really made me think, what are we doing this for? What is it that I really want to be working for? Yeah, what, what are we really trying to achieve here? And getting clarity on that. Because it, it does seem so goofy, you know, like so often we spend so much time striving after all the stuff uh, when at the end of the day. Um, it's a lot of stuff we don't even want. It's a lot of stuff of we time. don't even want most of the yeah. time. I hope that sort of that parable and this kind of intro 
it gives you uh, sort of some understanding as to the way that Hannah and I are kind of thinking about our own goals around financial independence and sort of the the way that we're approaching this and and hopefully it frames up kind of a new way of, of thinking about it for you as well. Before we dive into to the rest of it, I do want to point out, you know, the dichotomy to be to be like Jocko and say dichotomy of of the whole financial independence situation and where we come at it from. Cause there's this element of you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so you don't want to delay every ounce of gratification. Right. Because and and hate your life for the next sixteen years so that you can hit financial independence. But at the same time, you also don't want to be building it up in your head like you have to have millions of dollars to be happy. No, there's a dichotomy. I'm with you. I get what you're saying because one of the one of the arguments against the parable, you know. Uh, is that he only catches enough fish for the immediate needs. It's like, okay, well, maybe he should catch like a little more, you know, like <laughs> yeah. maybe like 5% more and invest that, you know, yeah. or something, right? Again, it's a parable, so <laughs> it's probably not going to capture every little nuance. Yeah. But I hear you. There's a dichotomy of like, how do I make sure I have enough for, for now? Uh, and also plan a little bit for the future. Yeah, because for us, you know, every time we choose to, like, take the Airstream and travel somewhere, you know, like, we're spending money on gas and we're spending yep. money on, like, more expensive campgrounds depending and on where we go. more maintenance the faster we travel. Yep. And so every every choice like that is taking, you know, making it take longer for us to get to financial independence or save for a rental property or, you know, whatever element of it that you want to look at. It's it's delaying that a little bit. But at the same time, why do we live in an airstream if we're just going to sit it in the middle of a field that's like a really low cost that's place right. to be and never do anything and never go out and experience, you know, stuff. That's right. Which I know that there's free things that you can go out and experience too. But well, and to make this even more on the nose, I guess. Um, there was a guy who, you know, had been that I worked with at my old job who was in his late 50s, early 60s, or, or I guess he was in his early 60s at this time. And uh, he'd worked, you know, his whole career and was ready to retire, so excited, so ready to go. Uh, he bought a, a big, nice, awesome RV uh, about six months before his retirement, and him and his wife, and he was talking about it all the time. And um, it was the same exact timeline that we bought our RV, uh, but I couldn't talk about it right? <laughs> because uh, I, I needed that job. And so it was kind of interesting because we, I ended up leaving that job for us to hit the road in our RV around the same time that he ended up retiring to go RV. And... I'm not really hating on him at all. Like he he did everything he was supposed to do, and also like he didn't have the internet. Um, he just grew up in a different generation. Yeah. And so like, what's cool about the internet is that it's allowed us to live a life that a lot of people dream of doing in their retirement. Now, now we don't get to spend our days just frolicking around random places. Like we still put in work full time mm-hmm. we we just have the opportunity because of the internet to do that from wherever yeah we so, can we can make our backyard a lot of different places that's right so you know to to your point our version of the mexican fisherman story is you know we put in a little work we make sure we work enough to pay the bills and make sure we're planning for retirement uh and saving uh and then we can do that from whatever city we find ourselves in mm-hmm. and we can go out and explore that location when we have time so with that in mind let's kind of transition into these four steps. And so it's four steps to building that dream life that you 
don't want to retire from. So with that kind of said, our step one is very similar to what we've talked about in other episodes with spending, and it's all about values. Step one is to identify why you want to achieve financial independence. Why is this even appealing to you in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. You clicked on this episode titled How to Retire Early Without Financial Independence. Why is retiring appealing to you? What's the values that you want? Yeah. Are you dreaming of spending more time with your kids or some hobby that you're really passionate about and you want to be able to dedicate more time to that? Or Are you dreaming of getting away from a job that really kind of sucks the life out of you? Are you dreaming of travel? Um, are you or dreaming? just control over your time. Yeah, just control, right? For us, it, it starts with a brainstorm list. You guys know I like <laughs> I like lists. I like brainstorming. So it, it starts with a list, right? So if we were to write all these out, you might have a freedom to pursue your hobbies, more family time, travel, control over your day, more time to volunteer or get involved in your community, uh, less stress, ability to, to pursue a hobby or work that you love, you know, opportunity to move and not be stuck in the city you're currently living in, maybe Mm -hmm. you want to move somewhere new and just sort of general life flexibility. You know, these might be some of your reasons and your reasons might be different than ours. And they should be different. They should be. Yeah. Certainly the ones that you value the most should Mm -hmm. be. But you should basically put together a big list. What is appealing to you about retirement? What is appealing to you about financial independence? Okay, so step one is compiling kind of that big list of all the reasons why you would value financial independence. Step two, we really want to focus in on what are the most important aspects of it to you. And so look back through that list that you made in step one and circle maybe three to five that are the most important. And so this is kind of tying back into the Pareto principle, which is that 80% of your outcome comes from 20% of your input. That's right. Which 20% of of that list would bring you 80% of the enjoyment that you're attributing to retirement. That's exactly right. Because, I mean, practically speaking, right, we opened up with this. You can't retire without financial independence. You can't do it. So you're not going to get 100% of these. For us, kind of when we thought about this, it was like, okay, we cared a lot about control over our day. Um, we, We did not like to be told we have to be at work this time. And we have to leave work at this time. Um, we wanted control. Part of it was like flexibility as well. And those those kind of go hand in hand yeah, for us. Yep. We also um, cared about doing work that um, we felt really mattered and like work we were really passionate and excited about doing. And that passion word gets thrown around a lot. It does. But finding work that we were enthusiastic about and and again, that idea of what would we not want to retire from? That's right. And that's, you know, enthusiastic is, is definitely a better way to say it. You know, another one of ours would be like the ability to do some travel. And that kind of goes back again to the control piece. Uh, if we had control over our day, we would be able to travel. Uh, and then ultimately, we also care a great deal about being able to be uh, near family uh, when we want to be and um, not be held back by life circumstances if we can't be. You know what I'm saying? That was a confusing way to say that. But being able to be there for the people that we love, like when it matters most. There you go. That's a better way to say it, right? Not having not having a boss who's dictating like, oh, I only oh, get one week of vacation. Yeah. So if I want to travel. And, and see, no, you can't take it this week. That's right. That's right. So it was for us, it was a big control thing. <laughs> um, and so that was what was so appealing in, in my mind. But again, kind of the the 
achievement kind of side of it. Yeah. As we wanted we wanted to do those things without sacrificing our ability to grow and change directions in the future. That's right. That's right. So with that in mind, right, so step one and two, you got your big list of all the reasons you are attracted to financial independence. And then the second one you've circled your top two to three, ours are all around control, freedom, flexibility. Uh, and then because of those things, it brings a few other benefits like being able to travel and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so step number three is to reverse engineer how to obtain those values that you circled. Remember, we're just focusing on sort of those top two or three that are going to get you the main benefit. For me and Hannah, if we could have control over our day and when we worked, the mm-hmm. hours we worked and that kind of thing, that was going to get us like the vast majority of the benefits we cared about. Yeah, like the benefit wasn't not working. Correct. That was like a double negative, but we weren't valuing a lack of work. Yeah. We were just valuing the flexibility that you get hypothetically in retirement. That's right. And so the third step of reverse engineering, okay, now we're going to say, okay, how can we brainstorm ways to actually pull these values off, right? And your values may be different. You may actually not care that much about having fixed work hours. And if so, like, that's great. You may have other reasons. A lot of people prefer fixed work hours. A lot of people do because one of the downsides to – Doing it like the way we've done it is it's hard to be off. Yeah. You kind of always feel like you're on. And a, a lot of times I think we I mean, I know we end up working more hours than Definitely. we did at a traditional Definitely. job. But the difference is we're doing it for ourselves instead of for somebody else. Yeah. So so now you're going to brainstorm a second list, which is going to be, OK, what are some ways where I can actually sort of start to get some of these values? How could I get the value of spending more time with family? How could I get the value of being able to travel when and where I want? Um, how could I get more enthusiastic work that I really care about, control over our schedule, right? How could we get some of the things that we care about without necessarily hitting the financial independence number? And there's lots of examples, right? So our example, of course, was, okay, how do we basically figure out how to work remotely uh, somewhat for ourselves? At first, it was not only for ourselves. It was a lot of freelancing for other kind of clients and stuff. Well, we had several different steps yeah, yeah, yeah. to get us to to where so we are now. That. Yeah. So, you know, when we first started traveling, I had just graduated from physical therapy school. You were working as an engineer. And when I got to the point where I could get a full-time physical therapy job, we realized that there was an option to travel with that and be a That's travel right. physical therapist. So I worked as a travel PT and you stepped away from engineering and built up a client base for freelance work while working on Mapped Out Money on the side. And it's important to note, too, that you had already started doing that while you were working as an engineer. Correct. Yeah. Too, so, so there was definitely a whole process for how we got it. But yeah, I guess the core takeaway for us was like, basically, the way we were going to achieve some of this was by, for me doing freelance work, you initially taking a a, a, travel, a job. travel job, and eventually that turned into working with me full time, which gave mm-hmm. us even more control, mm-hmm. you know, yep. over uh, which was that that big value. But you know, it doesn't mean you have to start your own business to do that. We have uh, some friends of ours um, who actually does run another personal finance site. His name's Sean. Uh, his site's called Two Frugal Dudes, and his way of doing this was basically finding a job that he could do remotely. And so him and his wife kind of did a bunch of different stuff. And then ultimately he landed on this job where he could work from wherever, which allowed them to go and find a new city to live in. And they they got in their car and they, they explored a handful of cities and then ultimately landed down south near the beach and found a community that they loved. And uh, and he still is able to work 
that same job. Yeah. And I think that's something we're going to see a lot more of after COVID. I think so too. I think we're going to see a lot more opportunities pop up for work remote. And okay, now if you work remote, does that get you a lot of the values you really cared about? You know, the the thing that's interesting too is just the whole the whole RV situation. Yes. And like we were talking about the other day, I forget who it was um, that was quoted as saying that RVs are the new commercial property. Yeah. Because people are taking the work from home to like work from anywhere. Work from anywhere. Yeah. And kind of on that note, so another example I wanted to share was um, another blogger friend. Her name's Angela. Uh, She runs a site called Tread Lightly, Retire Early. And she was sort of like, uh, I guess a little bit like me uh, at first, more hardcore in this kind of fire camp. Uh, And then eventually she realized like, wait a second, one of the main reasons I'm doing this is to be able to spend more time with my kid. And what if I just took a part-time job? What if I reduce my hours? And she she has a job she really likes. So she reduced her hours from full-time to part-time. And it basically meant taking a, 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 an obvious pay cut, which slowed down their savings rate towards financial independence. But it significantly increased their enjoyment of life and the main value she was going after anyways. And so she's more on this sort of slow fi path now. And so for her, the big one was not starting her own business and leaving and quitting her job she didn't like. It was just reducing her hours to find a healthier balance. And I think that brings up an important point from what we were talking about earlier. And, you know, we, we were talking about like delaying gratification and how a lot of the people who are hardcore fire movement would argue, well, you just don't need that much money to be happy. And I think Yes, I think a lot of us can agree on that, like when you really get get um, focused in on your values. But what a lot of fire people do is work a lot of overtime to increase their savings rate. Yep. And so if you have kids, you know, and, and you're going to do that for 10 years, that's a huge chunk of time. That's a huge trade-off. Yeah. It's a huge trade-off. Yeah. So really weighing that out because it's obvious like quality quality time there but you know even with us and and not having kids that played in to our decision just with like parents and nephews and you know all of that like we we didn't want to be so strapped down to somebody else's schedule that we couldn't invest in those relationships in the way that we wanted to that's right it's exactly right and you know ultimately it just goes back to that parable right? Like what is your coastal fishing village to mm-hmm. you? You know, what, what is that for you? And don't spend 50 years of your life working nonstop to try and achieve that, you know, try to find a way um, to enjoy that journey along the way and, and get some of that along the way. So that kind of brings us to step number four, which is once you've got clarity around the values you care the most about, and you've got somewhat of a game plan of some steps you can take, to get those values, well, now we're going to eliminate our spending that doesn't align with that. Right? AKA, AKA budget. Budget. So, right, you know, we, we talk about this all the time, obviously, but budgeting is just making a plan with your money, right? And so if you have a game plan of like, this is what we want to do, and this is the values we care about, and this is how we're going to get them, well, now you've got to have a budget to make sure your spending is helping you make that possible. It's getting really clear on... Like the quote that we always say that we love from Paula Pant, you can afford anything. You just can't afford everything. Totally. So, you know, what's the anything that you do want to afford that's right. the most? That's right. And I mean, that's, you know, for us, we had sort of a, a two-ish year period where we knew we were going to buy an RV, we're going to fix it up, and we're going to hit the road. And we had two years to kind of try and pull that off. And so we were ruthless with our spending and our income 
uh, to basically make sure we threw as many dollars as we could at making sure that happened. There's a season for everything. Yeah, there's a season for that. Yeah. So we've had seasons where we went really hardcore on cutting back our, our spending. So I think it's important to recognize, you know, we started off talking about we did. I didn't want to work 16 years at a 50% savings rate in a job I hated mm-hmm. to achieve financial independence. Um, but it doesn't mean I can snap my fingers and get this sort of and 80, be retired. You know, 80% of the values right now. Yeah. Um, but is there a way where I can we can sort of bust it for two years or three yeah. years, and then find ourselves in a place where we can take that part time, work that remote job, do that transition or whatever, and then achieve those values in a much 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 shorter kind of timeline and then just kind of coast to financial independence from there over the course of the next couple of decades well i don't want to say coast either i feel like that i feel like that's like a negative connotation where okay. like you're not Fair working enough. towards yeah, it yeah, yeah. that's what i think a lot of people well, think from the outside if they if they look at somebody doing what we're doing or the fire lifestyle or whatever they no, you're they right. think that it's like an instant gratification thing and a lack of work going into it and um, I, I really don't think that's true. No, you're 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 totally right. It's not it's not coasting. I, I missed said that. It was more about like I think when you get in so deep into some of the fire community where you're trying to save forty and fifty percent of your savings rate, saving only only, you know, ten or twenty percent of your income or something mm-hmm. like that, um, is is sort of seen as not going that hard. Which is really all I was saying. It's just more of a more of a reasonable savings pace. But it's just like with anything in life, anything worth having requires work and oh, effort. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so everybody in the, the FIRE community, whether whether it's FI Faster or Slow FI or whatever, um, they're putting a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And strategy into what they're doing. Totally. So it's definitely not like a, a thoughtless no. way of living. Or no, like no, 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 no. Or it's, an effortless way of doing it. Or a coast, right? It's a yeah. terrible word. So. Um, now you're spot on. All right. So those are our four steps. Uh, but before we do a full wrap up, first, we need to do our stuff, stuff we, we like. like. We're going to do another product this time. Not a, not like a book or a podcast <laughs> or anything. We're going to do the rubber bandits. Okay, and these you need to spell this correctly. Rubber. Yeah. How do I spell it? Rubber. R-U-B-B-E-R. Um, let me double check because this is. Okay. Funny. I'll talk about it. So. Uh, basically, they're they're workout bands, um, but they're not like I don't know. I've used some workout bands before that um, that are not connected. These are full circles. They're functional fitness. They're bands. functional fitness bands. Here's what's really what has been nice about them. Hannah and I've been trying to work on our pull up game, and uh, I can do like two <laughs> uh, full like overhand proper pull ups. And it just kind of felt like, man, I, I, I'm so bad at these, I can't even fully work on them. And so um, we got these sweet rubber bandits, and you can kind of pull them over your pull-up bar. And you, Hannah puts her – she's shorter than me, right? So she puts her foot in them, and then I put my knee in them, uh, and I can crank out, you know, 10, 12 push-ups with the – with these things, but using proper form, which has been way better than like, and knowing how much assistance you're getting. Yes, because like, they have different sizes, and, and we've been using like our foot on something to like help push us up. Yep, but you never know exactly how much help you're it's getting. It's always from easy your to legs. just put a little bit more extra yeah. into that. But anyway, so that's rubber bandits. R u b b e r b a n d i t z, and if you spell that with an s. Then you will find the Rubber Bandits Irish comedy hip hop duo, <laughs> and it's That's Blind Boy it. Boat Club and Mr. Chrome. Because when I first was looking for these things, um, 
I, I typed in rubber bandits because somebody I asked somebody what they were using. They were like, rubber bandits. So I typed it in. I was like, wait a minute. That is not right. <laughs> this isn't right. So, um, yeah, with a Z. Yep. So if you're trying to work on your pull-ups, I don't or know. Or a lot been, of different stuff. Or a lot of stuff. They have a lot of different they exercises. Have, you can do a lot of different exercises with them. And for us, like traveling-wise, they're great. Oh, they've great. been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, if you're doing it's, the home workout thing. Yeah, which a lot of people are doing now. Like yep. they don't take up much space and you can do a lot with them. Yeah. So check out their website and they have all sorts of like exercise guides of different movements that you can do That's with right. them. And again, as always, we're not an affiliate. This is not a paid product placement. We just like them. Yeah, so, it's just exercise stuff we, stuff like. we found helpful. All right. Uh, to kind of close out this episode. Yeah, tie us a bow on it, I want to close with um, that blogger I mentioned earlier, Zach from Four Pillar Freedom. Uh, he tweeted this out um, a while back now, but I really liked it and it stuck with me. Uh, and he said, overrated metric, how fast you're able to reach financial independence. Underrated metric how enjoyable your journey is on the way to financial independence. And I think that just perfectly encapsulates everything we're trying to say from the the Mexican fisherman parable to sort of these four steps. The main metric is how enjoyable is your journey along the way. Um, so can you retire without financial independence? No. But can you get like 80% of the values without hitting financial independence if you're thoughtful about it and strategic about it? Yeah, we believe you can. So hopefully this has been helpful for you and hopefully it's helped you kind of think about what those values are for you and maybe some different ways that you can try to get those sooner rather than later. As always, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.